You're listening to Band Geek with Richie Castellano on the Riotcast Network. Welcome to Band Geek. I'm Richie Castellano. Joining me today is my co-host, Jarrett Pressman. What? Hey! Hey! Uh, this is video today. We're trying to uh, transition from audio-only podcasts to both. Because we got a lot of requests to see my face and physique, so... <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is available. If you're listening to it on the audio podcast uh, and you want to see us on video, go to YouTube, and I'll be putting this whole thing there. And we're going to try very hard... To keep up with that, uh, it's been a while. I've been really busy on the road with BOC, and uh, we've had a lot of long runs, and that's not something we usually do, as you know, because this is probably the most we've ever worked since I joined the band in 2004. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I, I have a lot of story. This today's episode is really going to be like me showing Jared vacation pictures, and, <laughs> and you guys will get to watch us do that. But I everybody figured, knows that showing your friends your vacation pictures is super exciting. Yeah, yeah. and you'll get to <laughs> you'll get to see how excited he is on the visual. Next week's episode, he's going to show me his wedding video. Well, you were there, so yeah, but I didn't pay attention. I actually, I have like no desire to to go watch that. I <laughs> to guess, ever watch your wedding? I guess video? maybe like on the ten year anniversary or something, I'll, I'll watch it. But I just remember how stressful it was the, the whole ordeal. This is true. And, and I'm like, I don't, why do I want to relive that? That's you know, I'm, let's leave that in the past where it belongs. I just have the favorite moment where you you asked me like nine months before your wedding, like, would you say something at our wedding, like, uh, you know, for us? And I was like, yeah. And then I completely forgot. And then during the uh, the be- uh, Damien, his, uh, Richie's best man, and Nicole uh, Anne Marie's maid of honor uh, are up there, and Damien's giving his speech, and then Nicole starts giving her speech, and then I feel this on the sh- on my shoulder, and it's the Mater D or the wedding planner guy, yeah. and he goes, <clears throat> uh, "Richie said you're also going to be saying something," and I said, <laughs> "Of course I am, absolutely, uh, sure." And then he decided to off the cuff tell a story about clogging the bathroom in my parents' house. This is true. That was great. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's another reason I need to watch that video again anytime soon. <laughs> so. Um, uh, before, let's get the business out of the way. Uh, if you shop on Amazon, please use our Amazon link. That is at uh, – let me see if I can be slick and pull this up here. That's at riotcast.com slash bandgeek. And at the top of the page, look at this. Wait. You're going to see an Amazon banner. Look Wait, at that. It's over there. And you click on this banner and then it takes you right to Amazon and you can do your shopping just like you normally – no. You can do your <laughs> shopping just like you normally would. And it doesn't cost you anything extra, and it helps the show out. So we appreciate those of you who have been doing that. And if you haven't, it's a very easy step to add before you do your shopping, and we thank you very much. Uh, also, as you can see on the bottom of the screen here, there's a uh, tip jar if you would like to contribute to the show. Um, the show doesn't really generate money, so it's, it's all <laughs> out of pocket. Um, so if you want to help us keep the show going, uh, please do so by using that link. 
Uh, it's not clickable. You have to actually put it in your browser. That's something people are confused about. Oh. Like they try clicking it and like, why doesn't it work? And you, I just keep stopping the video. The internet's broken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And now something I have to address is we were doing pretty well with consistently putting out podcasts. And then I had to go away for these long gig runs and I couldn't do it. Now, a lot of people are saying like, oh, why don't you, um, you know, podcast from the road? And I've thought about doing that and like we'll be on a, in a van or a bus and I take my camera out or my recorder and I start doing it and everybody does this to me like, <laughs> really? Really? You're doing this now? Because like, you got to understand something. The way we tour, everybody's tired. Uh, it's, we, we leave very early in the morning. We have, a long, we have long travel days and no one wants to hear me talking to my recorder. I mean, I guess I could do it. You know, in the hotel room, but then it's just me talking. It's I don't know. It's not almost famous. Like you're not. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's a job. You know what I mean? And it it's it's an awesome job. It's a great job. But sometimes there are um, elements of it that aren't as glamorous as you would think. Let's that I think that's the best way to put it. Um. So the so, Richie's point is, be patient. Yeah. I'm sorry, but we appreciate your patience. We, we do. We appreciate your patience. We love you. <laughs> we love you very much. Uh, okay, so. Basically, the way we usually travel with the band is we we wake up really early, we get on a plane or two, uh, then we either get picked up or take rental cars and get to the destination where we're going, and then we try to sleep as much as possible, which is usually an hour or two, sure. go do sound check, come back, like get ready for the gig, take a shower, whatever, go play, then go to sleep. Um, so there's really not a lot of time to do stuff. Um, but I've been making a real effort to just not sleep and do as much stuff as possible. Who needs it? Yeah, because I said, you know, like, when when's the next time I'm going to be coming here? I've been trying to do as much stuff as possible. And on this one of these last runs, we did, like, a whole West Coast thing. Uh, and we had two days off in the middle of that. And, it's, and I had the option to come home. And I said, you know what, I'm going to stay in L.A., and uh, do as much stuff as possible. So I really haven't gotten to speak to you that much about it. So I'm going to now tell Jared about my L.A. trip. I also live vicariously through his Facebook and Instagram when he's not home. So, okay. We did... <laughs> where did we go first? Well, we did a bunch of gigs. We did, like, some state fair-type gigs and, and, and I think a theater or two. Um, actually, the f- interesting thing is... Um, Vinny Innocente, who is one of the band geeks, he was also there on business because uh, he works for the St. George Theater. Mm-hmm. And get this, he was there for the American like Restored Theater Society or whatever, um, and they were taking a tour of all the classic old theaters in, in L.A. And, he, and, and it was like a four-day conference, so he was there, and he called me. He was like, you know, hey, uh, I want to come see you play. So I got to hang out with Vinny sure. over there. That was really cool. But um, what on, an odd conference yeah, to go to. Yeah, there's a conference for everything. Yeah, I so on my first day off in, in L.A., I basically just got to rent a car and did touristy sort of things, and uh, then I hooked up with Dennis Leeflang. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm skipping something. Uh, I'm skipping quite a few things. I'm glad I have these pictures here to show me. Uh, first, I went to I think it was on Sunset Boulevard. It's 
LA's version of what 48th Street in Manhattan used to be. Okay. Do you know what that? Do you know anything about that? Like the music district. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, uh, back in the day when I was a kid, 48th Street in Manhattan, West 48th Street, used to be the music district, and there were there was a um, Rudy's, Manny's. Um, was that where we, Colony was? I know that's not Colony like a music was like store, Colony but... was nearby. Um, we buy guitars. Colony Music. That was an awesome place. Um, I'm gonna be slick for for a second. Watch this. Ready? They didn't. Uh... What Colony Music did is uh, they had like every. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they had <laughs> so stupid. They had they had like every piece of sheet music you could possibly need. Every artist, every musical, you know, classical music, pop music, everything. And I, I remember like after my dad would, as a kid, would take me to Forty Eighth Street. We'd always stop at Colony, and I'd get, you know, oh, I want to learn how to play this song off La Bamba. Yeah, and and we'd get the, the sheet music for it. The the benefit there too was that um, they they used to have soundtracks. And scores before like Sam Goody or somebody oh, really? had them. Like I used to go get Broadway scores, but like in like two weeks before they were released because I got them first. Right. Um, but the other thing too is with all the sheet music, Colony was the only place I could ever find that had everything in the right key. Because when you go buy fake books, yes. that, like uh, you know, and regular music stores, Sam Ash or. They used to sell them in like Sam Goody and The Wall and FYE and stuff like that too. They were always in some other weird key. And for some reason, Colony always had the books that always had the correct I, I keys the way you like, hear it on the record. For legal purposes. I don't know. But it was like, it felt like it was the same books, but it was just, but the, it was just a lot. Like it was, when you see those, those, uh, like old TV shows and movies and stuff like that where there's like a library and it's just like rows and rows of shelves and books and stuff like that. Like that's what it looked like. Yeah, it was amazing. But now the internet has, basically uh wiped out the need for a store like colony they also had the largest karaoke section i've ever seen yeah it was it was an awesome store but 48th street was the place i remember i remember when i was a kid and i i had the 16 track recorder that yeah. i recorded my first album on mm-hmm. and you know the only place to get ampex 456 half inch tape for the 16 track was 48th street so i remember my dad would be taking a trip out my dad and i'd give him like 40 bucks that i'd saved up buy me another reel of tape right. you know, i need to record so he used to come home with like a reel of tape and a couple of those TDK Pro cassette tapes. So TDK Pro mix. Two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's what I would record on. Ooh, thirty uh, minutes, high quality. Oh no! Oh, the <laughs> reels were ridiculous. The reels were like forty minutes of recording, yeah. and it was like a, a minute per like a dollar, you know, a dollar a minute. minute. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So you know, it, it wasn't like now where you can have twenty different takes of the song. Like if you if you screwed a song up, erase right. go, until you got it right. Uh, and so, the more you erased, the more it sounded crappier from on the reels because yep. you were taping over tape. So um, what what Sunset is is I'm going to keep I'm going to laugh every time I do this. What's <laughs> for those who are listening to the audio version, uh, Richie just keeps switching cameras. So I bought a second camera, so now I'm like going back and forth. Um, so what Sunset is is it's almost their version of of that, but even that is not what it used to be. Sure. Uh, the first the first place I walked into, they have a Mesa Boogie store okay. there, which is just like dedicated to Mesa Boogie amps. And I took a picture of it, I believe. Oh, that's not it. Well, I took one picture because it was a guitar I liked. On the video, uh, if you see me leaning forward, it's because I'm actually looking at the yeah. monitor because I have not seen these anyway, pictures. Anyway, I always want to try out that new John Petrucci amp, which is up here. Ooh, Jonathan Petrucci. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And uh, they had a really nice selection of guitars. You know what was funny? I, I walked into the store. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, my name is Richie. I play with Blue Oyster Cult. We're here on, we're on tour. I'm a couple, a couple days off checking out the stores. And, he, and he's like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Staten Island. And the guy behind the counter goes, do you know Rocco? 
<laughs> Former band guest Rocco Monteroso. So that's, that's pretty amazing. This was actually an interesting guitar I saw. This was a uh, Bill Nash guitar, and he makes like an '80s sort of Charvel thing, as you could tell from the color. I like that color. Yeah, this was a, a rocking guitar, and they had every single model of of Mesa Boogie amp. So that was a very cool store. But the guy was telling me that a lot of the smaller stores close, and basically it's like Guitar Center and Sam Ash now. But the interesting thing. About Sam Ash, just bringing this back to my original point, uh, the Sam Ash store in L.A. is a replica of Manny's from 48th Street. Oh, weird. Yeah, so I walked in there, and I'm like, this looks oddly familiar. Interesting. And I asked him about it. He said, oh, yeah, this is set up to look like Manny's from back in the day, because I think they bought Manny's. Yeah. In four- yeah. So that was really cool. Um, the guitar center there had this sort of uh, made-to-look-old room. As you can see here, um, which is, uh, you know, they had like old, like this little porch, and that was pretty cool. Oh. Uh, I don't want to give Guitar Center an ad, so there you go. <laughs> um, I mean, unless you'd like to sponsor us, Guitar Center. <laughs> you know, but I, I also I also did some stupid uh, sightseeing. I went to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Yeah. What? It was okay. I just like chicken and waffles. I thought it was going to be like, the, it was just like an average piece of chicken and an average waffle. Maybe I went on an off day. Maybe. But um, I, I, you know, I walked around the neighborhood and I wanted to do a little bit of sightseeing, and I saw you know what uh, that's like. Uh, it's, I saw Capitol Records, and all that stuff. That's like going to um, like if you go to Philly and it's like the Geno's Pats thing, and then if you meet people in Philly, they're like we don't go to either of those places. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jared and I are big fans of the Nerdist. I mean, we obviously that was an inspiration for us to do this podcast, correct? And we uh, we know that they record a lot of their shows out of Meltdown Comics. So I, here, here's a, a, an image I actually sent, Jared. It's me at Meltdown with the big Nerdist logo in the back. And that's Alan Alda in the middle. <laughs> oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> so um, they were having an open mic comedy show at like... 6 p.m. on a Monday. <laughs> well, so what? So for people who don't know, what ner- what uh, Meltdown is is Meltdown is a comic book store, mm-hmm. and then I think they ha- I think it's called the Nerd Melt Showroom. They have like a little black box theater in the back. In the back, yeah. It 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 can fit about 30 people. Yeah, watching. Uh, and there were the interesting thing. I never, you know, you're more into comedy than I am. Like I've never actually watched open mics like on a weekday. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's guys working out their material, and. So this guy, for example, told a story. He's like, yo, you know what I buy a lot of? Baby wipes. I love baby wipes. kind of giggling. Yeah. I love baby wipes. You know, I use them. I'm, I, I clean my floors with them. And he's like, and he's telling this whole story about baby wipes. And everybody's sort of giggling. And then, like, he goes, um, yeah, I'm sorry. See you later. And he just walks up the stage. Oh, my God. Yeah, and that happened, like, three times. Like, people would start, like, working out stuff. And they would just apologize and say, okay, thanks for your time, bye. I think it's like... Did you ever do that while you were doing stand-up? Um, the very, very, very first time I did stand-up, I did have a brain fart for about 30 seconds because I just completely lost my place like in my story. Yeah. Um, but I found my way back. Uh, um, well, these guys got three minutes each. You When you're... When you're open mics are different than like open comedy okay. nights. So like an open mic, like I'm assuming something like that, would have been like somebody could have done stand up, somebody could have done slam poetry, somebody could have played guitar, mm-hmm. you know, versus just like a straight up comedy night. Right. Straight up comedy nights, usually you get like three to five, that makes sense. 
So yeah, it, it, I I just wanted to go see a show there. Sure. Oh, it's it's that's awesome. And it, it was it was interesting, but I I could only take about so much. One guy was really funny. He goes, "Any football fans here?" And the place was quiet. He goes. Shit, I just prepared a football story for a comic book store. <laughs> it's actually very funny. Yeah. Um, but see, but if he keeps that and, and uses it to his advantage later. Um, so I'm walking around. I'm looking for stuff to buy. And and there was like a, there was a DC comic I wanted to get. But I said, I better wait because I know what I'm doing tomorrow. And right. I'm going to get to that. And I said, I better, I better not buy anything yet. And I was looking for stuff. And I'm looking around and I see a guy with spiky silver hair. And, and he looks like Chris Gore. Uh, now, Jared and I used to be huge fans of the G4 cable channel. Yes. Right? Uh, and that's where – that's if you're not sure what that was, that was a cable channel in the mid to late 2000s. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was just dedicated to video games and um, geek stuff. Pop like culture. Pop culture. But like gaming hardware, computers, right. and they had, tech. It, and I was just glued to that channel. I, that channel just stayed on all day for me. And – it actually launched um, Olivia Munn, who's like a big superstar now. Like that was where she started right. in, in G Four. But um, their film critic was this guy Chris Gore, who was really funny, and I liked him, and I thought I recognized him, and I did the quick like look up on the phone, I was like, "Oh shit, that's him!" Yeah. So I went up to him and I said, "You know, Chris Gore?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "I'm a fan of yours. I I watched you back in two uh, uh, two shot the game <laughs> <laughs> two over two shot. Yeah. You're Kevin Smith." <laughs> I watched you back in the G4 days, yeah. and he was like, oh, it's so cool. Thank you so much. And and then I guess because I was in L.A., I felt the compulsion to, to say, like, uh, I play a Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> and, and, and he went, Blue Oyster Cult? How old are you? Yeah. And I said, no, I'm 37. And he goes, I said, I've, I've been in the band for about 13 years. And, and he said, my first concert ever was Blue Oyster Cult at Pine Knob Theater. And I said, in Detroit! Yeah. And like, so, and, <laughs> um, and he... You know, it was funny, and that was his first show, and he was 13 years old. Right on. And uh, and then uh, I, I thought, I was just gonna, I just wanted to say hi, and, you know, I, I appreciate <laughs> you, and goodbye. But then he was like, hey, come back here, we're having a party. So in, like, the back of the comic store, they were having a pre-game um, Comic-Con party. Okay. Oh, yeah, so that's right. Okay. all of a sudden, like, I just walked in just to be a geek, and all of a sudden, I'm in a... In, Exclusive LA party with and Sarah Underwood there. No, no tell I looked, me. I looked. I looked. Oh, damn. Uh, and you know all these. There was, there was, the guys like, oh, eat, drink, whatever you want. I'm just. I didn't know what to do. And then two people just start coming up to me and talking to me. Like one guy used to work for Disney, oh. and 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 he's like, oh yeah, I know J.J. Abrams. You know his kids are so nice. And I'm thinking like, what am I doing here? Do you but, <laughs> do you think it was like a Hollywood party where it was just like, I'm going to tell you the most impressive thing I know. My kids go to school with the yeah. the dog from Frasier's owner. Like, I don't know if it was that, but I found myself doing it, which I was like, what are you saying, Richie? If, if there's any place where you can do it, that's the place to do it. I was like, oh, because Chris introduced me to these two other guys. And, and he goes, oh, this is Richie. I was like, hi, I'm Richie. I play a blue oysticle. He goes, the guy goes, oh, you just dropped that in there. I was like, sorry. You know, Otherwise, like, it's like, hi, I'm Richie. I'm on vacation from New York. Yeah. I'm here on vacation. I like comic books. <laughs> so, but, uh, and the guy said... As you should, because that's a cool thing that um, sure. Okay, no, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I was just there, and I didn't know what I was doing there, but I was just sort of enjoying the moment, being in a comic book store, like one of the most famous comic book stores in the country, being at the San Diego Comic Con pre-show, right? Like game pre-game. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. Pre-party, pre-game. Um, but then I had, uh, I had to go meet up with with Dennis Leeflang. Now I'm, I'm sure you guys. 
Remember, Dennis, he's been... Oh, i got to close all these tabs. Dennis. Uh, Dennis has been a guest on the show before. He was on twice. He was on... He had his own episode. Yes. And then he played on the Rocco episode. He is Dutch. He is. And uh, Oh, if you guys saw the Trader Joe's video we used to do, we did once, that was Dennis. Is that Boromir? <laughs> I'll show you that picture in a second. Is that Ned Stark? Okay, so... <laughs> let, like, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. So later that night, we went to the Rainbow. I've never been to the Rainbow before. Okay, I don't know what that is. Uh, the Rainbow Bar and Grill. It's a um, it's a famous L.A. hang. Okay. Uh, like, Lemmy used to be a permanent fixture there. Sure. Um, and we got... I had L.A. pizza, which wasn't particularly good. California Pizza Kitchen? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was good. It was fine. Uh, but the cool thing is the Rainbow is sort of like a museum. Uh, they have, like... Eddie Van Halen's guitar on the wall. Uh-huh. They have you know all the like all this gack everywhere, and it was a really cool hang. And then um, Dennis, I called him months ago. I said, "Hey, I'm coming to L.A. I'd like to you know go play or whatever." And he arranged for us to sit in at this place called the Viper Room. Sure, that uh, I know. So here's a picture here um, that I will bring up now. This is uh, that's me in the center, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Mark Rucci, uh, who I don't know if Mark has Mark been on the show. Uh, no. But we talked about Mark on the Sharon Jones episode, because Mark was the one that restored my old tape. Yes. So here's Mark. Uh, Mark's one of the, he does monitors. He basically, uh, subbed, or I guess replaced Andy. Sure. With, with Blue Oyster Cult. Uh, here's Jimbo. That's Jim Mears. Oh, that's Jim, okay. Yeah, Jimbo does the other side, does my side of the stage. Uh, Jimbo used to work with Foghat, and then we inherited him from, from Foghat, and now he's also Mark Farner's tour manager. People have brought up the fact that he looks like Ned Stark, right? No, but now that you say it, <laughs> I think it's just his picture. He looks like majestic as hell in his picture. But um, then... Tis a funny thing. Yes. Uh, this <laughs> is Vinny Innocente, and that's Dennis back there in the picture. And this is at this place called the Viper Room. And um, the Viper Room is... it's The way they do jams out there is a little different than the way they do jams in, on the East Coast in New York. Like a jam, an open mic... It's like basically a bunch of guys, a house band, they play a little bit, and then like there might be a sign-up sheet or you go say, hey, I want to sit in, right. and say you brought, so you play guitar, right? You brought your guitar with you, and um, you get up on stage, and then the band goes, okay, what would you like to play? And you say, oh, I want to play uh, Going Down, Freddie King. Okay, what key? You can sing it? Sure. No, okay, you don't sing it? All right, we need a singer. Uh, you sing, all right. Who wants to play bass? And then you put like a little patched together band, and then you, you do Going Down, and you... and. It's mostly, uh, there's a lot of like soloing, like, you know, like you'll play a solo, I'll play a solo, there's, you know, everybody, we do a little trading and right. everything's like a seven minute version of every song and, and it's, it's more focused on, on, you know, chops and playing. Was it like the, the, the jams, uh, the painter's jams? No, because the painter's jams is like what I'm just describing. It's like guys come up to, to play, you know, to, to show off a little bit, I guess, or show what they got. Right. right? But this is different because the thing about this is it's a... It's it's like a very prearranged sort of jam, and you like weeks before you have to sign up, and they tell you what song you're going to be playing, uh, and and with who, and you and and you go there, and it's done like to the minute, which you. was different, but I guess that's how they do it out there, which is fine. Uh, and the other interesting thing about the Viper Room is, I was like the oldest person there, I, I, at least I felt like that because it was. Um, Instead of like the older person jam, which I usually go to, which is mostly guys in their forties and fifties, right. this was like people that were like twenty one to twenty six. Okay, mostly. Um, and when Dennis Dennis did all this, Dennis was like my sort of host while I was there. Sure. He talked to the guy running the jam ahead of time. He goes, "Hey, my friend plays with Blue Oyster Cult. He wants to come and sit in with you guys." 
And uh, the guy said, okay, he'll do Burning For You. And Dennis is like, well, you know, he can play a lot of other songs. Yeah. And he's like, no, he's in Blue Oyster Cult. They'll do Burning For You. So I, um, Mark took a little video on his, uh, on, on his cell phone. I'll try to show you a picture of that now. Um, here, this is my Instagram, by the way. Sounds great, right? That's that's that. It's it's a little odd that actually from the silhouettes of the haircuts in the crowd, yeah. you can actually tell that it's in Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, but he, like Dennis was, you know, he was sort of like, "Hey, are you, are you sure you're okay with playing Burn Few?" I'm like, "Well, I know it, you know, so yeah. it's better than you know picking a song I don't know and, and and I can't play." Right. So it was cool. Everybody was nice. And then another cool thing is the guitar player from Puddle of Mud was there at that jam. Okay. And he came up to me. He's like. I, that was my first ever talent show song <laughs> when I was in high school. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's amazing. Um, and yeah, it was like a really nice night. We got to stop at the uh, Whiskey A Go Go, sure. and there was a like heaviest of heavy hardcore metal band playing there. And that's a cool place. You know, there's a lot of lot of history there. I yeah. guess that's that's the Sunset Strip. I guess. Yeah, that's a, that's um, a, that's a huge LA music scene that actually like is still thriving. Yeah, which is which is cool. So the next day, I had. Um, I got this really cool opportunity, and this is not because of being in a rock band or anything like that. I have one student that I teach on Skype, and his best friend's cousin works at DC Comics. Interesting. Um, and he told me, you know, hey, if you ever are interested in going to check out DC Comics head- headquarters in LA, you know, I can arrange that for you. I'm like, yes, I am very interested in doing that. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, I don't care about your detective comics. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so... I told Eric also decided to stay behind in uh, in LA instead of going back and forth. So we went and I pushed DC Comics into the uh, my GPS and we drove up there and we went right onto the Warner Brothers lot and then the guard stopped us and said, "Where are you going?" And I said, "DC Comics." He goes, "No, it's not here. Please, please leave the lot immediately. Make a U-turn and come right out." So for about forty-five seconds, I was in the Warner Brothers lot. Yeah, Isn't that cool. That's where Batman lives. <laughs> that, is, that is where Batman That's lives. That's where Ben Affleck poops on the Warner Brothers lot. That's true. Uh, so <laughs> I drove right out. I have a less interesting story about being on the Warner Brothers lot. But You, you were on the Warner Brothers lot? Yeah. Go. <laughs> I, uh, when I went to visit L.A. a, a couple of years ago, uh, a friend of mine was working for NBC. Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. Universal lot. Never mind. Different. Not even related. Not even related. Not even related. So, but it is very, it's very exciting when you do pull up to the garden and you're like, uh, yes, I have a drive-on today for uh, uh, you know, this person. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're expecting you. Go right in, sir. Yeah, I went in and, and I'm, I'm going, yeah, I'm here to see so-and-so, you know, DC Comics. He's like, you're on the list. And then Eric starts flipping out. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, my God. He's like, did you call the guy? Tell him we got my guy. Called the guy. He knows we're going. So uh, we actually found the building and um, 
you know, in industrial space. Yeah. And we go up, and then when you, as soon as you walk into the office, you realize you're in the coolest place on, on the planet. So um, their waiting room is the Fortress of Solitude. It's built to what? Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if I got a good picture of it, but here's um, uh, this is not a great picture. I I wasn't sure what to take pictures of because. This was the hardest place to take pictures because they were sort of like everything's in glass. Yeah, but if you could see the ceiling, it's like all crystal-y oh, and stuff. Look and see, at that. How, see how it's like all circular here in the background. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to look like the Fortress of Solitude. That's cool. So the, here is a uh, wait, and is it like there's uh, green chairs or something like that? Or they, little, they, like... they had a lot of crazy stuff, but here they had like the Batman, the, the Bale Batman uh, costume. They had uh, the you know uh, Henry Cavill Superman. Yeah. They had all the green lanterns oh, with, so with the rings and. In their waiting room, and they had like the chess. It, it was amazing. <laughs> now, the only problem with this is that um, they wouldn't. They were sort of like not letting me take pictures of anything else. Sure, so they're like you could take pictures in the waiting room, and if they let you in the vault, you can, but not really anywhere else. So um, what I'll have to do is just sort of describe to you what I saw. Yeah, well, because God forbid you like snap a picture, and then there's like some sort of exactly issue on somebody's desk or a script or a something. Right, 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 right. So. Um, you know, the, the lobby is just impressive, and everywhere you look is just gack. Like, there's, there's like, six giant Batman statues everywhere in various poses, and they're all the Bale Batman. Yeah. They said they're, they're supposed to, like, rotate them over, but everybody there is, like, such a fan of Bale that they, like, they like they, they keep it up. Interesting. Um, they, they have, like, every single, like, Wonder Woman and Green Lantern statue and, and Superman. It's, like, every little corner of the, of the space has, like, art... Or, or stuff, right? right? Um, oh, another cool thing is a few days earlier to that, we played in Santa Cruz, and our friend Mick Gray came. Oh, okay, yeah, and he um, actually let me let me go grab something really quick. That actually um, was the uh, I, I originally when you said you were going to DC Comics, I thought that that's who hooked it up for you mm-hmm. um, because I know that if I was going out to California, he would be the first person that I <laughs> that I reached out to. Actually. Um, I hung with Mick at that Santa Cruz gig, and he sent us this for the Band Geek Studio. Uh, so this is a um, what? Yeah, this is it's a. It's gonna be yeah. So I can show you guys this. And that's a page he inked. Yeah, he inked this. This is his original uh, art, and so that's gonna be proudly displayed in our Band Geek Studio. Thank you very much, Mick. We really appreciate that. That's dope. Oh, that's super dope. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. So Mick Gray, check out his work. Um, you can also listen to him on the Van Geek podcast. He has his own episode. That's right. Um, but anyway, like they were mentioning that while I was there, I was like, oh, they said, "Oh, you know, Mick Gray. He called, told us you were coming." And <laughs> that's cool. And um, everybody's desk at DC, like it's cubicles, like you would expect. Sure, you know what I mean. It's a big company. Um, everybody's desk has a different like theme. Like everybody's into something else. And all the executive offices, they have like sliding doors with like original painted versions of each superhero that i feel like i've seen in some kind of special or like documentary or something like that yeah that it looks like it looks like comic book panels but yeah it's, everything doors. is very purposely done and and the, the story like there was one guy's desk he had only black and white um dc action figures that's he had cool. every every one of them like that's what it, it's not just like oh like on like i'm sure your desk at work has some stuff on it yeah uh, and like, oh, here's a Batman, here's a Marty McFly, here's a yeah. Ghostbuster. You know, like, no, it's like they're very themed. One guy was into the Flash. He had every Flash action figure, every, every different one. He, it, it was like a sea of red, like 40 action figures. And then on a big mannequin, he had his uh, cosplay Flash that he built out, oh, of like, cool. out of like, you know, yoga mats. Yeah, yeah. And looked 
ridiculous. That's insane. Um, you know, one one chick had like all Star Wars stuff. One's you know, uh, it, it was everybody had themes, and they had um, so they, not limited to DC. It was no, just but like it was, whatever you're in, like it was mostly DC. But it's it, like if you're into something, like it, go for it. Yeah, let it, let it fly. They had the the letter wall from Stranger Things up. Oh, that's cool. I said, why do you have this? They said, oh. We take Halloween very seriously. They said their, <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. their whole they said their whole office goes apeshit for Halloween, and it's just insane. Um, we actually saw um, they have a video game testing room because they have to test the video games and let the uh, people making them know if they're accurate. Sure, you can't go in there. There's a camera there. It's like it's everything. Like the security was very tight. Sure, um, and. You know, they have, like, a whole act... There's the comic department. But the thing about the comic books is most of them are written by guys at home. Right. Like, almost all the comic book artists are independent contractors. Uh, so, what they, they're they sort of dealing with... It, what they're doing is making sure everything is cohesive. Like, the TV shows, the movies, the toys, the video games, the books. Like, everything is the message they want and everything's rolled out. Uh, at, on, at the right schedule, right? Like you know, Lego will say, "Hey, we want to do, we want to use your characters," and they'll say, "Well, Supergirl's big right now because she has a TV show, so here's some approved Supergirl artwork for your Legos." Right. So it was like that. It was just so much to take in. I'm trying to like remember it as I as I tell it to you. Well, I'm sure a majority of the people that you saw at those cubicles are like, "I work in legal. I'm accounting. I'm payroll." But everybody, but it's just still, it doesn't matter. Everybody it's was like, so happy. Your payroll it, for DC Comics, right? Right. It just <laughs> seemed like it's such a great place to work. Sure. Um, so, uh, we're walking through and the, the, they brought us to the pit, right? What is the pit? The pit is, um, their digital, I think that's what they called it. It was their digital division. Okay. And what they're doing is they're digitizing like 70 plus years or 80 years of DC comics. Okay. And so what they'll do is they'll scan it. And then I saw it. The artists will sit there and draw out the yellowing and the creases on the old comics. Oh, so and they're like scanning pages and restoring them. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. And then That's and then one guy one guy said my job is automating it to because because when you read it on like Comicsology, did you ever read a comic on Comicsology? Yeah, yeah. It's got a. It goes from panel to panel. Yeah, and it, uh, I could even I could even show you how that works. Um, so I'll pull up my comics. My comics. Look at this. I'm very interactive today. <laughs> I love comicsology. Let me see if I can pull up an actual... Anyway, here's a comic book. It's not a DC comic book, sorry. But if I just, you know... Why is that not working now? Is that the end of there it? There we go. No. If I just, like, move the page like that, it's automated yes. in what it shows me. So what that guy does is he... His job was to pick what, what the, is what the, what frame comes the, next, the viewers in the show. Uh, what the... Yeah, so... I've actually been doing a lot of uh, my media on the iPod, on the iPad now. I've, I've gone mostly digital, just because I have like a room full of comics that I don't know what to do with anymore. Right. Like, I don't think they're worth anything. See, but I bought a book recently, and I was and I needed to physically buy the book because I figured if it was on my iPad, I'd be like, okay, chapter one. Uh, let me look at boobies. Like, I just, <laughs> I just, it's it's too tempting. It's like I want to put down the iPad to read a physical dead. No, I, I get that. I get that. But for me, it's. <laughs> Uh, I do most of my reading on the road, sure. so I don't want to carry a bunch of crap with me. Um, you used to. I used to do I it. I remember when you when I used to take you to the airport, and you'd be like, okay, stage clothes, uh, this amp, this, uh, this uh, my pod, whatever, and then you would have just your book bag, and it would just be like, all right, I'm reading this, this, this <laughs> trade, this trade, I want to read this again. Uh, uh-huh. It's a nine-hour flight, so this one... Yeah, like, yeah exactly. It's just a stack. So, um, then the... 
Oh, the cool thing is we went back into the guy who hooked us up. We went to, to his office and he was like, well, would you like to read anything? <laughs> and I said, actually, I haven't gotten a chance to read Grant Morrison's Wonder Woman yet. And he and he reached into, he goes, oh, okay. And in his office, he had like everything. He reached into his shelf and he was like, here you go. So I, and I read it and it was very cool. It was very, very interesting. Wonder Woman says hola a lot. Stop touching your boob. <laughs> Let's go caught between two worlds belonging to if you, me. If you want to borrow that, you can. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Don't Maybe. read it now in front of everybody. Maybe I will. What's this? The oh. bookmark from the Burbank Public Library. <laughs> uh, so we, after the, the the tour ended in the vault. Now the vault, is, their purpose is to archive. It's a library. Everything yeah. that DC Comics did. They said, supposedly they have everything except for fifty. Interesting. They, when I spoke to them, they said it's more like 2,000. Uh, but they know where a lot of that is because it's, it's their assets that they lent, they, like they loaned to people. Okay. And they're waiting to get a lot of that back. But like really like the hard stuff they're looking for, there's like about 50 that they don't have. Right. And, and the thing is, it's not like a priority. So it's not like Warner Brothers is, is giving them, here's $4 million. Go get all the comics you're missing. Right. Because a lot of them have to be with collectors and, and private the, collections. The issue and, is, the issue is that, if they want, all right, say they're missing Superman, uh, Action Comics number three. Yeah. I mean, it's just for example, right? And they want to have one in their archive, right? A collector will be like, okay, um, this is mint condition, never been opened. Um, you can have it for $200,000. And they're like, no, we're not paying that. Right. What, what they want is one that's beat to shit, uh, that just has the story in it. They don't care about the cover because the covers you can find the covers everywhere. Right. They're, they want to have an archive of the story and the work within. Um, they they were telling me that one uh, one version of a comic they just bought had the kid's name on it. Oh. It said like you know Norman, and he wrote it on it. And they were like, "That's fine." I'm like, "Really?" They said, "Yeah." They and can the, take it out. I realized because if they what's going to happen is they're going to have to open the thing. So even if they spend two hundred thousand dollars on a comic, it's coming out of that hard plastic. They're going to flatten it on a scanner, right? You know what I mean? And then that's that. So if it's beat to shit already, they'll just take it and they'll fix. They'll erase Norman's name. Yeah. So they can take out yellowing. They can take out everything, as and then they make have a pristine version of right. Them. And it's cheaper for them to do that because they're paying salaries for. 20 people. Right. So, you know, that, you know, that are working on 10 comics right. at a time, you know. So, the so they were telling us a story about when they moved from New York, um, it was they had like armored trucks bring the whole collection. That's insane. You know, and it's like something like several tons of comic books uh, and it had to be in the basement of the building because it would, you know, break through the heavier Oh, floor. because it, it was so heavy. It was so heavy. Um, and then the Joker <clears throat> tried to knock over the armored cars. Yeah, exactly. What uh, the guy, the guys who were actually I shouldn't tell that story. <laughs> anyway, the guy, the, the guys were saying that they had to once take Action Comics number one out uh, and bring it to another location, uh-huh. and they said they were very nervous <laughs> while they were doing it. Clearly. Um, so the the they had other stuff, but most of it was like library shelves with bound editions, uh, and you opened it up and all the comics were in there bound. Sure. Um, and the interesting thing was he went to, like, Eric, who's, and he said, what's your favorite comic book character? And Eric said, well, when I was a kid, it was Blackhawks. Yeah, the uh, World War II uh, Right. Pilots. And they said, oh, okay. Uh, and they, 
He the guy goes, okay, come with me. We we'll go to, go to the library. He pulls out a volume. He goes, here's the first appearance of the Blackhawks, 1947 or whatever, and uh, or 1942. Yeah. And Eric's like, well, that's before my time. And he's like, well, when did you start reading? Eric's like, you know, early 50s. He goes, okay, here's here, he goes, does, does this look familiar to you? That's insane. And then uh, and he asked me like, what about you? I said, well, the Huntress is my favorite one. And he showed me. Um, like her first, like nineteen seventy something, late seventies appearance. She's wearing like a skirt. You know, she goes, she's got like that weird pink and purple outfit on. Yeah, uh, and that's when she was Helena Wayne. Right. And I said, this is amazing, but I'm actually a Helena Bertinelli fan because she's Sicilian, right? And I'm half Sicilian, and that's the only Sicilian superhero I know about. And I really like her because she like beats up mobsters and stuff. Yeah. That's like kind of really a specific thing and I said oh okay and they went to like their database and then hella burnt really okay and they pulled out that first issue where she was burnt out yeah and they showed it to me and it looked it was awesome like they, it was like pristine hi hi Anne right. Marie's here but she's not coming on screen <laughs> how's your quads and your glutes bruh I'm not gonna be able to move far oh great um so there <laughs> you are you're on screen now you, you happy okay Anne-Marie and I passed each other as I was leaving the gym. She was going to her abs and body class. So, yeah, we were in. <laughs> hey, look, the tip jar just exploded. Oh, wow. Anne-Marie was flexing. With my guns, exploded the tip jar. Uh, so they had like a glass case. We walked in and they had um, what they called ash can versions of the comics. Okay. And I think. If I'm saying this correctly, and if, if I'm not, feel free to flame me and send me hate mail. But it was like spiral bound editions. Okay. Um, and it was like the it was sort of like the proof for when they would right before they would go to to print with it. Okay. And the guy had an ash can edition of Action Comics number one behind the glass case, and he said, "You see that copy?" He goes, "Every single digital scan is from that copy. Wow. Every time you've seen a page from Action Comics number one, it's from that copy." Interesting. So, and he had, like, Detective, uh, whatever it was, with Batman's first appearance. They're bigger, though, right? Those? No. Were the, they? The origi- at that time? The original comics, it was, like, fun comics. That's what DC started as. Sure. And, um, and it was huge. And what they decided is if you fold it in half, you can get double the comic uh, and, and more space, more printing space. So it was this big format they ended up folding in half to have more real estate and charge more. I see. Uh, for the same paper. Got it. Essentially. Because then you, I mean, like now, I know this is commonplace, but like you look at this, like this isn't a print, like this is a, this is the actual, like, that's what size he, of the that's page. That's what he, he actually drew on and then it, or yeah. inked on. Yeah. That's so cool. So he had, you know, they had all that and they had all like those early fun comics and they said Detective Comics was such a popular series that they ended up changing the name of the company to DC. Sure. Um, so he had all sorts of interesting things, and besides having besides having just comics, they had like cereal boxes. They had like a, they pulled out like a big black drawer, and they had like every like flattened cereal box from like Superman, Batman, any mention of them that was there. It's they had, funny that you bring that up. Why? Because I ate a thirty year old box of Batman cereal recently. What did that taste Your like? Your story is more interesting. Continue. I'll tell that in a minute. Okay. So <laughs> no wonder why they're buying no one these. Anyway, so um. They had the blueprints to the Val Kilmer Batmobile. Oh, cool! Oh, wait—is that the 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 one with the the, the with the like the rib cage and the glowing? Oh, yeah, blue yeah, 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 like where it looked like it was breathing. Kind they of. had like yeah. every sort of weird thing. Interesting. You know, they had oh, they had Wonder Woman's ambassadorship plaque. Oh, the cool. UN. That's awesome. They also had they had um, Brandon Routh's 
Um, oh, someone just started following me. Thank you. They had Brandon Routh's um, face cast. Oh, for uh, um, for Superman for, uh, Returns. For Returns. They also had Nick Cage's. That's cool. Yeah, that's it. Have you watched that yet? No. The return. The the death of Superman lives. Uh, here are here. Oh, here's a, a shot of what it looked like. Um, and I told I asked them like, can I take pictures down here? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, here so, they don't care because it's an archive. Yeah, and also it's well secured. Yeah. But as you can see in the background, there's all the bound books. Um, oh, and they also gave us some uh, comics to take home. That's and cool. I just I want you to show the nice people the comics that they gave you. So I got a. Uh, now you did you have that when you were a kid? I did. I, I read the shit out of that. I did because I that was like a big thing because you really couldn't. With the exception of having like a VHS tape and toys, yeah. there wasn't really anything else tangible for like Th- a movie. This is the Batman movie so, comic. You, you can see there. You want to go to that camera? You want to be slick? Oh, yeah. Hey. Oh, oh look at that. Wow. Oh, hey. That's amazing. So this is the 1989 Batman movie special comic. It comes out June 23rd. Yep. And um, that's in pristine condition. Yeah. it's No, it's it's great. And then I got... This isn't Batman, but... Sword. That's from an Atari game. Yeah. Sword Quest. The artwork on it is fantastic. You know what's amazing? I'm reading Ready Player One now, and that's I think that's part of it. Oh, Sword Quest. Well, just there's a lot of Atari references, let's oh. put it that way. Uh, I can't remember, though. And then this other issue is 1980, and I was playing with it before, but it was telling Richie, it's, it's the superheroes. Look, it's Superman and Aquaman Aqua. and, and Lady Shazam. <laughs> Oh, here's another interesting picture. Um, so great. Oh, actually, here, you can see it here. In the background, let's see if I can zoom oh, in. Oh, there, is that Brandon? That, there's, oh, there's Nick there's Cage. There's Nick Cage. Oh, see, that's what I knew there was. I, so all, all these drawers are filled with, like, all weird shit. <laughs> you know, like blueprints and cereal boxes. And If you if you zoom up and to the left, I pointed it out when you sent me that picture. Yeah. There's an issue with the Daily Planet there. Oh, yeah. Top Mafia bosses are caught red-handed. I don't know what that's from, but still. So this is actually a picture of me holding... Uh, Action Comics number one, uh, no cover, but um, that's it. That's the first appearance of Superman. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Pretty, and even that in your hands, even that like no cover, not pristine, like all beat up. There's tape on it and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Still worth more than your house. Yes. Oh yeah, it's a little ripped here. <laughs> yeah. See that? But they can fix all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they have twenty of those. All. I don't know. think they have twenty. I mean, they they were telling me their budget's not huge, okay. uh, but they're they're just trying to. Be an archive, you know, have everything. Sure. Um, so then after that, uh, Eric and I actually went to Fry's Electronics, which I don't have a picture from. I've ordered from Fry's. It, it was really, really weird. Um, they had, in L.A., each Fry's has a theme. Oh. So the one we went to in Burbank had an, a flying saucer crash into the front of the building. That's cool. And all this, like, 50 sci-fi decor. And if I had a Fry's near me... I would uh, – it would be terrible. I'd be there all the time and I'd spend too much money. Yeah. It was just like they had – like I – you could basically walk in there with a shopping cart and build a computer, like a hot shit gaming computer, and like nuts to bolts. You know what I mean? Like just uh, towers, cooling systems, motherboards, uh, CPUs, memory drives, graphics processors, peripherals, you know, ev- everything. So what you're saying is that if I want to build an actual sex bot, I need to go to a Fry's. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. But um, <laughs> then after that, we went to the legendary uh, Norman's Rare Guitars, which you will know from Spinal Tap. Yes. Because he's wearing a Norman's uh, Rare Guitar shirt, which I bought. Oh, wow. Um, it doesn't fit me. Uh, <laughs> Did you cut off the sleeves? N- I should. <laughs> um, yeah. I wonder what hey, hey, what? So, you know, he has it's all beautiful, rare 
guitars, just like the name suggests. Yeah. So it's, it's more than just a clever... Oh, and look, and Dennis visited me while I was there. Hey! And me and Eric were there, and the funny thing that, the funny thing that Dennis said is he was, like, interviewing some, somebody who I, I really wasn't sure who they were, but he was, like, the owner was there. And I wanted to introduce myself to him, but he was busy. And Dennis thought it was really amusing that half of Blue Oyster Cult just walked in and he <laughs> was oblivious to it. Um, That's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that, and that was uh, mine and Eric's uh, really cool day of, of doing all this sort of, uh, you know, geeking out sort of stuff. Uh, but it didn't end there. Because the next day, we had to go from L.A. and we had to drive up four hours to Paso Robles to do a state fair mm-hmm. sort of thing. And um, I looked on the map because I, I figured I was going to have to drive the rental car. I looked at the map and I saw San Luis Obispo or San Luis Obispo, I think it's called. Oh. San, San Luis Obispo uh, right before Paso Robles on the map. Now, San Luis is the home of music band guitars. Yes. So I... I since I'm 16 years old, have wanted to go to that building. And I called them up. I said, hey, you know, I'd like to, if, if, if it's okay, come check it out. Maybe some of the other guys in the band want to come. And and Eric, Buck, and Danny, they came with me. We oh. all got a tour. And the tour we got was from, this is a piece of wood, to this is a finished guitar. And they were like, photograph whatever you want. So I got some good stuff here that I'll, I'll bring you guys through. Um, here we go. So... Here is their just stacks of different kinds of wood, um, and then they put them in the you know the planing machines and the various and you can see in the in the back here how they're starting to become bodies. You know, um, I love that machine. I don't know what it does. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and this is their um, this is their book matching s- sit, uh, system. Here is like they'll take two pieces of wood and try to match the grain up because when you, if you look at let me grab a guitar here just to show you. Um, here's a guitar with a nice top. If you, oh, sorry, switch the cameras. So if you look at this guitar here, this is not one piece of wood. This is actually two pieces of wood. You can see the seam, yeah, right there. Sorry. So there's this. There's a seam here. This is one piece of wood. This is another piece of wood. And their their job is to book match this as best as they can to make it look to make the flame pattern or the, the quilt pattern flow from yeah. one side to the other. So in this picture here, they they put a mark there so they can show where it matches up and then they glue them together and and that's that. So now we have some sort of like, this was interesting. Um, there's a, they also do some guitars that are neck through uh, and that's the new John Petrucci guitar and that's a neck through body. So Instead of making the body, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, talking, I'm away from the microphone. Instead of making the body separate from the the, the neck, they have to put it on all at once. Yeah. So you can. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, so it's at the that middle piece. Yeah. And then that bottom is. I got you. So that's a neck. And this, oh, they were just showing us. Oh, this is the um, this is the roasted maple that they're showing us here. I believe. Uh, they they have a, a process uh, which is roasted maple necks. Uh, sorry, I'm giving visual aids here. This is a roasted maple neck right here. Um, as you can see, it's a little darker than a normal maple neck. Mm. No, normal maple has like a sort of paler, 
you know, finish to it. And what they do is they, they get this baked from wherever they, their supplier is. And the actual, you know, like how there's maple syrup in trees? Sure. Like the actual maple sugar is what gives it the brown color. And it has a different sound. He actually, he picked up like a, a piece of like regular maple, dropped it, mm-hmm. and then he picked up the baked maple or the roasted maple, and it actually had a different sound, which I thought was really awesome. They also have, uh, at that company, there are several machines that actually make the bodies. So they start here with this plank of wood. They grab it, and the machine ha- does it loads it into a CNC machine, sure. and it actually routes out the whole body. Hey, that arm is the thing from uh, Iron Man that he hates. Yeah. <laughs> what did he call it? Uh, I don't know. What it, did, he, did it have a name? I thought he called it, like, Dummy or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well... I call everyone dummy. <laughs> um, so now in this picture here, oh, this is how guitars are born. Yeah, we start seeing the neck take take shape, and that's that Petrucci with the neck through body sort of thing. And uh, let's go through here. Oh, you know, what? I'm missing some video. Let's put let's put a video on. How about that? I think I have one. <laughs> as long as it's not just oh. <laughs> Okay, this is cool. So let's show this. Damn it. <laughs> Thought you were all slick. I'm slick, I'm slick, I'm still slick. Watch, ready? Yeah. All right, so here's one of the CNC machines. It's routing out the back of what looks like, I think, a Majesty guitar. Today on How It's Made, right? guitar necks. Oh, and there's all the tools. Is this, you know, CNC? Ooh. Pretty awesome, right? Yeah. It's all like, and it's all laser precision too. Yeah. I just it that's very cool. But then, like, you think about people doing it by hand, you know, mm-hmm. thirty years ago, right? Forty years ago. Uh, well, half of their half of their operation is by hand. They only have the machines do can only do so much. Like a lot of their finishing work is. Well, we'll get to that because I took a lot of pictures. Um, let's see what else we got here. Okay, that was an interesting clip. That was a good clip. Okay, so here's an example of, of some handwork. Oh, I think, I don't know. So here's a guy, here's a guy checking the neck, you know, by hand, finishing it, putting the, he's putting the actual radius into the neck. Ah. Uh. Yeah, so he's checking with the tool. So yeah, there there is quite a bit of handwork. I mean, I think they're trying to go more automated as they, you know, as much as they can. Sure. Um, here's another really cool shot of that, of the, uh, the robot. <laughs> I want to learn how to play. <laughs> Teach me how to feel. <laughs> Teach me what you call love. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's a, a rack of finished necks. Uh. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> um, and this guy is, you know. Is the music man. Yeah, <laughs> I think I took a picture of this. Let's see. Yeah, so he's oh, yeah, so actually he's sanding it out. Yeah, sanding out the neck. Oh. Ah, I'll get better at this. I promise. So um, no, it's fun when you're terrible at things. Oh, here, look at this color. This oh wow, is like a really cool. Does it look so tiny? Purple. They're smaller guitars than than uh, standard. Like you know, I, I like a smaller guitar, so that's why it's good for me. It's like an Anne Marie size yeah. guitar. That's actually an Anne Marie guitar. Yeah. <laughs> this is purple. 
And here's here's a cool shot of uh, Danny and uh, Buck checking out the guitars here. There's Eric's hat. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Eric's hat. Um, Where are you at? So now we're going into, I think this is painting. They're starting to finish the guitars. See, everything's taped to be painted. Yeah. And so we have we have sort of the structure of the guitar. And right again, there. Yeah, the, the people that are watching, you have to understand, too, this is all still all just wood. Yeah. Like, it's just, there's no, there's nothing else on it yet. Like, this is a huge process just to get the shape and the paint and the, the smoothness and right. everything down first. Here's, this is interesting. This, um, this guy... Looks like they're curing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check this out. So these are what the tops look like on the guitars before they get polyurethane, That's the, cool. the clear coat. So you can actually see them putting it on. Um, that's that. Okay. Oh, polyurethane probably makes the the uh, uh, colors darker. Oh, here it is. Here's a better shot of that. Sorry. There we go. So he's actually, he has like a little cloth, and he's actually applying the stain by hand yeah. in several coats. Wow. That's insane. Isn't that cool? This is like this was my favorite stuff. I still to this day, but like when you watched like Sesame Street and they were like, "Here, we're going to show you what a pancake factory looks like." <laughs> this is the, the band geek episode of how it's made. Yeah, exactly. I, I could watch the, I could watch that all day, every day. Um, let's see. Oh, this is this was an awesome room. Oh, that's weird. This that's... looks like something out of like AI. Yeah, or or, or <laughs> Westworld. Yeah, all the all the guitars ready to be assembled, and all that stuff. Um, oh, here is the painting room. So when do they spray on the rock? <laughs> that's that's our job. <laughs> so there's one one painting room they have that this is just for the solid coats. Sure. And. Uh, that's cool. All right, then they have a, they have a clear coat computer. All right, wait. So, I thought that was a guy like upside down. Painting. No, like no. those were his legs. Like at first glance, that was really creepy. The, they've they have the uh, machines apply the clear coat, uh, so it's nice and even. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and then they they have another room. Let's see if I can find this. All right, this guy over here, he actually applies all the the bursts. So when you have like a sunburst room, because the bursting is an art. Right. You know what sunburst is? Like when it, like my. Yes, you have a slime burst. Yeah. And you met that person, didn't you? I did, I did, I did. Um, Which is, this guy is right here. This is the gentleman who put the slime in my burst. Or the burst in my slime. Gross. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and they they assured me, they said, um, your guitar will be the only one that is that color because I don't think we want to make another one like that. <laughs> I didn't know whether to be offended or, uh, you know. Uh, Richie, yours is the only guitar that looks like it was thrown into a giant pair of pants on Double Dare. Although, look at this color. Huh? That's Wow. This, this, this is, is a, a pink guitar. guitar. I think this is a guitar they're making for Adam Levine. Oh, okay. Because he, he likes pink. And they call that slinky pink. Slinky pink. It's like their, their, their uh, strings. But they had some like really cool colors. Like These are all the finished bodies... Um, that are going to go to production. That's um, I think it's Tomas. He was the uh, he's one of the reps there who gave us the whole tour. He was awesome. Thank you very much, Tomas. By the way, um, show me the room where they get their soul. Well, this oh, was, that's cool. Wait, this? No, that, that uh, I just like weird. Sh- I like weird shaped guitars. This is the Saint Vincent guitar. That's that um, 
avant-garde, dancey sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. chick. Um, she's great. But um, this was cool. This is the uh, the buffing process. Buff, buff beer, buff, yeah. buff there on a couple of lauded And it keeps going to different, you know, types of material to buff it with. Sure. All that stuff. And what else do we have here? It's just amazing that these guys do this day in, day out, every single day. Here's all the all the guitars, different colors, You're getting ready. Wow. Cool, right? Oh, they're Prince's guitars. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then we got to go to the, like, assembly areas. Let me shut these. Hold on a second. Okay, so like here, for example, these are... I'm just going to go through these. These are circuit boards. You know, this guy is just building bridges. And this guy was there for like 38 years or something. Just building bridges. Just doing this one job. He says he can do it in his sleep. Uh, This is their original pickup winding machine. Cool. There's the copper. The copper wire they wind their own pickups with. Um, there's their pots. Oh, check out that color. That's a pretty dope color. I want that. That, <laughs> that looks like it's pizzazz. It's like a, a neon green sort of thing. I love that. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. That's pretty so great. So now, now they're putting the guitars together. They're wiring them up. Oh, there's Danny <laughs> Miranda with a finished purple five-string bass. That's cool. Yeah, so it was, it was really great. So we got to go from, you know, beginning to end. But then one of the coolest, uh, parts of the trip was where was this I know I have a picture of it oh is this they took us into their vault oh wow which is they have all like weird <laughs> prototypes and and like one offs and never made, made the production like that guitar right there that's Eddie Van Halen's actual guitar <laughs> you know that he sent back for whatever reason um, there's Derek uh, the other tech uh, the other um, rep excuse me uh, and yeah, this was awesome and they were just like they were like, you know, look at whatever you want. Check stuff out. And I did. So for, yeah. those, for those that are listening and not watching, it actually it looks like a, like a high school band closet. Yeah. Just stacks on stacks of plastic cases. Right. So here, this is a picture of me. Um, I'm actually holding Eddie's, Eddie Van Halen guitar. And the interesting thing about this, what makes it different from other Van Halen guitars, is this has three single coil pickups. And it's set up sort of like a Strat. And for and I think he sent it back for something and just never got it back from them for whatever reason. Uh, this is an interesting thing. This is um, well, don't put companies like this make guitar like I feel like you've t- talked about this before, but like some companies like make guitars for people. So like let's say it's like oh Eddie's doing uh, the fiftieth uh, anniversary of some kind of yeah. thing, and uh, he's like they we would, would like to build a guitar for you for it, and they might play it for like five minutes on like one song that was probably like like that guitar was probably just like a one song guitar like he needed a strat sort of sound for that one guitar speaking of strats check this out this is a john mayer prototype guitar uh and i think i got a picture here of danny playing it yeah um this is like this is basically a strat uh with an awesome music man neck it was amazing this thing was so freaking cool and there were lots of like little gems there um so technically, Danny's been closer to Katy Perry than any of us with that <laughs> John Mayer guitar. Exactly. <laughs> this is a cool shot right here. This is um, Buck playing Eddie's guitar, and Danny is actually holding the old smoothie bass. Uh, this was, if, if I'm remembering the story correctly, this was a bass actually made by Leo Fender. Ah. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but uh, Ernie Bo- uh, Music Man Guitars was Leo Fender's second company. Right. He sold Fender 
to CBS, and then he started Music Man Guitars. And this is the bass that he and I believe Sterling Ball, who was Ernie Ball's son, who is the current owner of the company, right? Um, he helped him like design this bass, and they called it the Old Smoothie. So Danny was very um, happy to be playing this bass because it was the closest he's ever been to Leo Fender, who was like the godfather of electric guitar. Right. And that was a really cool moment. And unlike DC Comics, they weren't like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It> was- <laughs> It's, it's okay. We have extra. We have tons. We have shelves. Yeah. Here you go. Uh, so, what is what kind of? Oh, that that was. I think this is one. Looks like a like a loot. I think this was a, a stick they made for Tony Levin. Cool. Yeah, like a. But I think it's like an upright sort of base. They had a lot of like weird prototypey stuff there that you know never saw the light of day. So that was that was really awesome. But uh, we, you know, but I was just amazed that we actually did that because. Right. It was a long shot, and I was amazed that everybody wanted to come with me. And it was cool. It was just a great hang. And I want to thank Derek and Tomas from Ernie Ball for letting us go check out the factory. It was it was amazing. Um, and that would be a good enough trip. And that was basically the end of that trip. But then we had another run. After that, we went to uh, the northwest of right. the United States. And there's a place I've always wanted to visit. Well, not always, but since I got into this yeah, hobby. past five or so years. past maybe two, three years. Um, and that's Saber Forge. Now, I have, for you, for those of you who know, because I talk about it enough, I like, this is my hobby, I like building these uh, these, these lightsabers. Um, I don't make them. I actually just install the electronics in them, because it's like my hobby. So I pull the thing out. <laughs> for the audio listeners. And that's actually me on guitar. Oh yeah! So this is a Saber Forge chosen, and what I do is I get them usually em- empty or with just a light, and I put my soundboard in there. And it's my little stupid hobby, and you can fight with them, and they're a lot of fun. Um, so I always wanted to visit there. They have a showroom near Portland, and we were playing near Portland, right? And it could have. It almost didn't happen because I was looking at the mileage of where the gig was and the schedule, but I sort of begged Eric because I was with Eric that day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Eric, you got to come with me to this place. I got to go see it. We're so close. We're like, our hotel's only a half hour from there. You got to come. And, and you know, we, we got a show to do. It's like you want to be rested. But Eric was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> Eric's been in like a go mode lately. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> and Eric, who hates most of your hobbies, <laughs> actually likes this because yeah. he so, wants one. So we went down to uh, Saber Forge, and uh, I called, and I was just going to go to the showroom, but I actually, their owner is this guy named Philip Isherwood, who's a really interesting guy. Um, his story is that he started making lightsabers in his garage with, like, a basic lathe, and then grew from there, yeah. and now has a huge company with, like, 50-something employees, and there's, like, and he's in, like, an industrial park with, like, eight different locations that each handle different parts of the the uh, company the company the manufacturing and I, when I what I saw when I went there was a lot of very very busy people just cranking out stuff you know what I mean like working very hard um, I was just gonna go to the showroom and just check it out but I I contacted Phil because I I'd corresponded with him before on another thing and I told him hey you know I'm gonna come with the the lead singer from Blue Oyster Cult. And he was like, oh, yeah, let me know, and I'll give you a tour. And he and uh, this guy, Thomas Snyder, who's their lead designer, yeah. uh, who does all their 
3D designing, they they gave us the whole tour. Uh, and I felt weird about videotaping, but then like midway through, it was like, yeah, whatever you want. Um, but we went in and we saw the first room, which I forgot. I didn't have the camera on yet for, but it was like tons of just machines, yeah. like lathes and CNC machines, just like it's like churn, churning out stuff. You know what I mean? Like this guy's making this part, this guy's making this part, and it was just it was crazy. I'd like to I'd like you to re um, say one more time yeah. for all our fans that are listening that are also lightsaber enthusiasts yeah. that complain about shipping times and delays. Say again. You walked in there, and there were tons of people working madly, yeah, working, working very, very hard. <laughs> um, so, and look, I, I, I've been there myself. I ordered something, sure, and I was like, oh, what the hell? But then I, when I saw it, I'm like, okay, this is not like, this is not just you just buy it off the shelf. Like they, it's custom, it's yeah. made to order. Like when you order it, they start making it, and it takes a while because and it's multiple pieces that all have to fit together and, and work together. Yeah, and it's just like the guitars. I mean, like the guitar, we saw each little station, and I got a similar tour from Saber Forge. Like, okay, here's where we make the, the hilts, here's where we make the emitters, here's where we make the threaded pieces. I started picking it up around the um, their custom shop here. Mm. So um, let me shut this. <laughs> so many pictures. Oh my god! You got to change that setting. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, no. Okay. Are we still recording? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yes, we're still recording. Okay, good. Um, so here's their um, here's like their custom shop room, and you can see they're chroming those those lightsabers there. Oh, I want like They have like their whole chrome setup. Look, how cool is that? Hey, look, a bunch of robot penises. All no. right. No. <laughs> that's cool. that's that's the bane. Um, and they have their little uh, paint booth back there. Yeah, for those for those people that don't know, but that do follow that Richie, you know, builds this stuff online. Like there are, you know, characters in the Star Wars universe and the movies and the TV shows and stuff like that. And there are plenty of companies that make, you know, replicas, including Saber Forge, that you know make replicas of those types of um, lightsabers. Um, but a huge part of this community is custom. Um, designs. Mm. So a lot of these companies, and you know, this uh, Saberforge included, um, you know, have uh, like Richie said, it's called the Bane, and it's you know, mm. it's modeled after you know uh, something from you know this book or something like that that you know we've never seen, or it just might be an original design, right? Uh, but they they also do make um, like pieces where you can like you do, you know, I want the emitter from this, I want the pommel from this, I want the blade from this. Yep, and uh, see, so there's a lathe right there. I think this machine in the corner, I can't remember, was the machine he actually started the company with in his garage. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, of course, you can keep that. Yeah, really, really. And they're still using it, I think. This is something that was really awesome. They made a, uh, he shows me in a second. This is a Boba Fett lightsaber. Oh, cool. Right? It's got a little Mandalorian that awesome? stamp on the back. Yeah. It's colored like a Boba's armor. So yeah, I got. Um, there was quite a few different areas. I only, I didn't, you know, record that much. I, sh- I wish I, I, I had the wherewithal too. But here's this is cool. Here's a little walkthrough of their their storefront. Is that Boba or Django? That's Django Fett. Cool. Right. Yeah. And that's their store. They're actually building a bigger store. Uh, they're expanding. That's cool. For those just listening and can't see it, it's basically just like showroom cases with just hundreds of right. lightsabers. 
Like a like when you would go pick out an engagement ring. Think of those cases just with <laughs> lightsabers in them. Uh, <laughs> but if you build lots of lightsabers, you're probably not going to shop for an engagement ring. <laughs> oh, um, you're upside down. That's all right. Oh, here, here's another oh, interesting thing. Oh, had. wow, that is cool. It's their laser cutter. They're making stands. They they weren't the CNC machines weren't making anything particularly sexy while I was there, so I could, <laughs> so I couldn't you know. But here's another like huge workshop area. They had about five or six of these. Uh, so and they were, everybody was just cranking stuff out. Like they they were there was one guy just making blades. Like they have a lot of people. They yeah. they're doing it. So very very cool. Uh, we got some cool pictures here. Here's um what's a uh, is that a holocron? Yeah, here's Eric Bloom with a holocron. Which is something else they make, and there's Phil Isherwood, and there's uh, Tom Snyder. I, I, it was a better picture of us all together. I'll try to find that. Here we go. Cool. Um, so there's Phil Isherwood, who is very, very tall and yeah. very handsome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is that is not what I thought he looked like. Yeah. Uh, there's Tom, who does all their uh, computer uh, design stuff. Uh, there's me, and there's Eric, and I got to pick up a very, very cool new saber there. And I really got to thank the guys uh, for this amazing saber. This is a, a Saber Forge. Oh, let me do this shoulder shot again. This is Saber Forge Katana. Fire it up, buddy. Saber Corp. That doesn't have the same ring as your other one. <laughs> oh, that's that is really bright. bright. Yeah. It's got there. You can see. That is the uh, Imperial Cog. Yep, the Imperial logo. There. I wanted one the Galactic uh, Empire. They, I mean, they had a lot there to choose from. I wanted one that I could fight with, and that that was really going to be just for like you know smack. Hey, let's 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 go at it. And this is cool too. You can see here. It <laughs> just sounds like Richie's texting me because that's his text alert. You can see here it's got like leather wraps. Yes, yeah, leather wrapped. It's like it, they call it the katana because it's like a katana. Here, ready? Don't hit my mics. <laughs> Wow, this really, this, yeah. Yeah, it's a good, this feels good in your hands. Yeah, it does. That's what she said. Eh, not to me. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, very cool. It was was an awesome, awesome trip. But then later on that night, uh, they actually came down to our gig. Oh, cool. Yeah, so here's here's a really fun shot of that. There's Donald making a funny face. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it, it... it was a very eventful and amazing and this experience. Took, this took place over what, like roughly about two weeks? Yeah. Can oh, here, here's a. This is this is a really awesome shot here. I, I wanted to take something that was going to blow my mind, like something I never thought would happen. Interesting. You know what I mean? Because like ever since I got into this hobby, Philip Isherwood is a like a name like that you just hear about in hushed tones, like oh Phil Isherwood, like it's like one of the main guys in the hobby. Right. So. Um, I just wanted this random picture of Phil Isherwood holding my guitar with Tom Snyder holding Eric's guitar <laughs> on stage at a BOC concert. That's amazing. This is like a, I call this like a mind fuck picture. It's just like, why, you know, why, why, why is this happening? It's like, it's like when you see your teacher at the mall during the summer, you're like, why are you here? Yeah, go away. Why are you wearing a t-shirt and sneakers? I don't understand. So that's what I've been doing. You know, instead of napping and <laughs> and being rested I'm trying to go do as much stuff as I possibly can and and take advantage and I do apologize to everybody that there haven't hasn't been a lot of uh podcasts lately I literally just haven't had the time to do it so, I, so but now my schedule is leveling off and I hope I can do more and and have them come out more consistently I used to uh when we used to tour too um with Second City it was just like we made it our business to try and at least do like one, like just try and do it. It was just mm-hmm. like, why are you going to sleep? You can sleep on the plane, you can sleep on the bus. 
Right. You know, it's just like, just do that just because you're in a city. Like, take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, really, Danny got me going on all this when we were in Europe, like, going to see as much stuff as possible. Yeah. But, you know, these were, this was particularly crazy because within, like, two weeks, I did, like, three bucket list trips. That's crazy. Within two weeks. It was nuts. And I, 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 Jesus Christ, something just fell upstairs. But, um. Or Anne Marie's building a robot. Yeah. But there were, like, three, like, DC Comics, lifelong fan. Yeah. Ernie Ball guitar since I'm 16. Then I got to go to a factory where they make lightsabers. It's like, this was a crazy trip. And it totally related to band geek. Yeah. You know, I did the music stuff, I did the geek stuff, and I, that's what I'm all about, trying to put that stuff together. And I know there's a lot of people like me who are into, who are musicians or who love music, but also love this geek culture stuff. So, to me, that was... This was just an awesome experience. I'm I feel very grateful for it. Uh, I don't take it for granted. I'm amazed <laughs> that all this stuff actually happened. It was just mind blowing experiences down the board. You know, what I mean, it was it was, um, it was just just amazing. And thank you so much to everyone, to Larry Ganim from DC, to um, to uh, Tomas and Derek from from Ernie Ball, uh, to Phil Isherwood and Tom Snyder from uh, from Saber Forge for making. Really making us, you know, making wishes come true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm playing him off. So that's it. I guess. I guess we'll stop the show now. <laughs> Actually, we've been going for for a little while, so we can't stop. Anything else you want to add? No, I've just been home. I've been working. I'm sorry. missing my buddy. I'm sorry. Eating old cereal. <laughs> We're too far to do a proper hug. We'll do this, we'll do this awkward pseudo hug. I'll tell you a terrible story really quickly. Okay. Um, so we mentioned it before. I was going to come back to it, but I just it's. Um, I've been going to a lot of toy fairs recently, right? Um, because that's my nerdy thing is I like to buy and sell, and and I just like vintage toys and just toys in general. So uh, we went to a toy fair and I bought um, three boxes of 1989 Batman cereal. Um, and it, like in the box, completely sealed, as if they came off the shelf from a supermarket in 1989. Um, they came with a bank, which was a bust of Batman, uh, you know, right. holding his arms like this. Um, and evidently, from what I found out, is that uh, those boxes disappeared off the shelves within days because people wanted the bank. Right. And evidently, collecting vintage cereal is a thing. So I bought three. One was for me. One was to. Uh, for a friend, and one was to open and eat. <laughs> and there is a YouTube channel. I was like, I saw him googling. Like, is it? Safe? Did you video yourself doing this? I, I, there is video. I didn't post it because I was gagging and I don't like those sounds. <laughs> um, but there, there is photograph. If you go to my Instagram, uh, if you go to Morgan's on Instagram, there's a slideshow and about ten pictures. Um, oh, you can even show it too. Yeah. Let's see if I can, see if I can pull up while you're, while you're, while you're talking. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I was Googling and seeing if it was safe to eat uh, 30-year-old cereal. And uh, if you just scroll down... Uh, nope. Uh, it's right there. Up up to the left. The, okay, yeah. There you go. I'll pull this picture up. Okay. So uh, before you before you move forward with the pictures. So okay. I was Googling. You can see the, the bank there. Yeah. Um, I was Googling to see if it's safe to eat 30-year-old cereal. Some people were like, depends on how it was stored. Um, you know, check for bugs. You know, that kind of stuff. So... It was sealed in saran wrap because the bank was attached to it. Right. I smelled it. smelled completely – it smelled like a box of cereal. It smelled like cardboard. I opened the thing. I opened the bank. The bank smells like plastic. It smells perfectly fine. The uh, 
I t- open the top of the box. I take the bag out. I don't see any bugs. You can see the picture there. Looks, you know, looks completely fine. I open. Don't go forward yet. I open the bag, and it <laughs> it smelled like like a forty year old basement like shoved into somebody's taint. <laughs> Like it was so bad. We, uh, me and my friend Adam started. Adam, who's uh, been on the show, yeah. um, uh, started gagging, and he was like, "No, we're still eating this. <laughs> we're trying it." And so he poured a bowl. I poured a bowl. Um, and if you look at the pictures, this is the this is the slideshow and nine photos of the process. So there's the cereal. Look, you see the little corn Batman shapes. All right, then the next picture. Oh, here we go. Just going to take a little spoonful of cereal. Looks pretty good. Oh, there it goes into my mouth. And oh, <laughs> no. No, this is not what it should taste like at all. <laughs> what did it taste like? It tasted like what I said it smelled like. It just like... <laughs> and there's some more pictures of me gagging and then pushing the bowl away. <laughs> I didn't... To be I didn't chew it. I didn't swallow it. We, I put it in my mouth, and then it's one of those things where you're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what wait, to wait, do. Wait, wait. It taste like it just tasted like like cardboard, but just the taste tasted what it smelled like. It was bad. It just was bad, and we just we both spit it out, um, and then we just took a garbage bag and just like did like a sweeping motion, like everything just in the oh, in the God. bag, and did it. And people were like, Why did you think eating thirty year old cereal would be okay? And I was like, I don't know. I wanted to try it. I thought it'd be funny, and clearly it was hilarious. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have. <laughs> Thanks for for watching and listening to Band Geek this week. I'm Richie Castellano. I am Jared Pressman. And uh, we'll see you soon in the future. I hope you liked this show. And uh, see you next time. Bye.